Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about the Beyond Light Crucible updates that are coming with the expansion. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching uh, the past broadcast on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That'll bring you to the YouTube channel. You can hit the subscribe and the bell button uh, or the join button if you want to become a paying member with the member perks. Also, if you're watching this as a highlight, like the 10-minute video, the links for VIP call-ins and Q&A are below. We are doing it that way now it, it kind of helps clean up the the subscriber list so you don't get too many videos from me throughout the day so what are they doing with the crucible in year four uh in beyond light i'll be honest we don't have a lot of information yet about this we want more we would love to get some updates on anti-cheat we would love to see some you know some headway with respect to are they doing anything with rewards are they doing anything with the guns um, and then they promise a sandbox, you know, updating here. So we'll read through that and I'll show you. So I'm, I'm going to walk through what they did say in the TWAB. Then I want to talk about trials all on its own. And then I want to talk about shacks as an NPC and as a vendor, because I, I'm going to end up saying some similar things here, but I do think crucible is different than the Vanguard. I think the strike playlist and, and, and Zavala need updates and need things done to them. But I do think there is just something different significantly different about a PvP player base that you want to have logging in day to day, week to week and punching in those hours the motivations are different, the play styles are different, the sentimentality of the players are different and I think you got to approach it from another vantage point and leverage incentive to get people to play on a regular basis I believe this is one of the reasons why if you check any of the stat tracking websites crucible numbers tend to spike and then drop really really quickly because if there's not really that strong motivator to keep logging in the hours and keep playing people tend to walk away PVE is very very different you can just kind of casually boot up and play log hours move move the artifact and season pass along so i do want to make distinct differences between how i believe these these playlists and these npcs should be treated so let's just kind of read what they're doing the director is going to be updated in season 12 to reduce the number of playlists available at a given time now obviously if you're familiar with my content i was always banging on that drum i'm like there are way too many game modes to choose from it fractures the player base it splits everybody up so the featured game modes are listed here control elimination rumble survival and then it says it'll continue to have freelance available uh for both survival and survival freelance so they're they're both going to be available the weekly rotator is going to be clash mayhem and showdown now they did say in another blog that they plan to bring back Scorched and there was one other one that's not listed here but it's not going to be available like that first week maybe even the first month we don't know but they do have plans to have Scorch return either in year 4 or in season 12 we're not actually sure the timing of it but Scorched is not gone for forever I think they know it's a pretty, it's it's a, it's a light, it's a light game mode. I don't know how popular it is, but I think they know that people like it. Uh, private matches will be there, and then the limited availability of Iron Banner. Obviously, that's 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 going to be always a thing, you know, once a month. And then they're introducing freelance to Iron Banner in season twelve. That says similar to competitive, this will be a smaller node next to the Iron Banner thing when the playlist is available. A little thing to click on. If you're familiar with the survival freelance. And then weekend availability will be uh, trials. Oh, momentum control. That's right. So Scorch and momentum control will be making a return in year four. Right now, we don't have any any clear picture on the timing of that, but they know that people like Scorch and momentum control, so they will be making a return. So trials of Osiris, though, this is important information that some people may have skipped over or missed. Adept weapons are coming to Trials in Season 12. So if you play Trials of Osiris after Beyond Light launches, like in that season, you will be able to get 
get adept weapons. Now, they're not new weapons. We need to make that clear. Season 13 is when they're going to update the weapon pool of trials more than likely i think this is a very safe assumption the adept weapons that will be earnable in season 12 beyond light will be the current weapons that we have but they'll be updated and made adept also this is a really important note here to set your expectations more details on functionality to come in a sandbox preview currently planned for October. So if you're wanting a preview of sandbox changes, as well as functionality of adept weapons and lighthouse and trials, that is coming in October. So they've got more housekeeping planned, not even for September. I thought October was going to be all marketing, but there'll probably be some of those early weeks where they're really, really just wanting to get through some of this quality of life stuff. This again is proof that the game itself has a lot of changes they need to outline and it's going to take them a while to completely get through all of that information okay so first and foremost it's good to see the options reduced because it was splitting up the player base too much and secondly uh it's nice to see adept weapons coming in season 12 as i said the other day it would be kind of a shame to see those weapons that launched with trials you know in year three never get the adept weapon uh treatment so Let's move on to talk specifically about trials. First and foremost, I, I'm going to continue to make this a major talking point anytime trials comes up. They need to get casuals in the lower games. You, you will never ever have a well-run trials engine as far as like the matchmaking and getting games going and people enjoying themselves if you can't get casuals in the lower games. All right, There's a huge, huge difference between saying that I want casuals in the lighthouse and saying I want casuals in the lower games, you know, games one through three, games one through five, basically, is where I think you want a lot of them to land. You want the bulk of them to land in in at least games one through three. That has got to be a priority, okay? So generosity I think is the key you've got to be super super generous with drops let people get the normal trials loot the normal trials guns I think there should be differences in the armor as well normal trials armor and I think you're allowed to be really generous with those things you're allowed to be generous with the the loot in, in trials because because you're adding adept weapons having adept weapons in the flawless chest frees you up to say you know what we can be super generous to the casuals in games one through three one through four five whatever just dump loot on them you want them in there as much as you can you want them in there as often as you can because that is good for the funnel that's good for the playlist it's honestly good for everybody I'm actually curious if Adept Weapons will be a new endgame standard since Strikes are also getting them. Bungie said the closer we get to Season 13, they're going to have information about how they want to bring Adept Weapons to Strikes. So I'm actually curious if this is now an endgame standard. Are, Are raid weapons and dungeon weapons also going to have the Adept title since they're donning the name Adept for weapons that will also be landing in strikes we're curious also on how they're going to execute upon this they said they were entertaining the idea of doing adept mods that would be maybe a way to to keep it from feeling like the weapon is op or broken because then they wouldn't have to necessarily nerf the gun they could just adjust the mod itself uh in in that regard 
And someone's saying you can already get all the loot without winning a game using three win weekly bounty. Again, I don't think it's generous enough. The token earn rate went down. The, you know, the earn rate and the turnover of loot is not fast enough. I think it needs to be greater. I think you have a great excuse to do a, a, a lot more generosity um, if, in fact, you have these adept weapons. Lastly, let's talk about shacks. Crucible is different than the Vanguard, and so I think you have to lean into different themes and different, th- you know, different stuff uh, that's going on. Thank you so much, Crispy, for the two tips uh, through Super Chat, two four-dollar tips. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Take care. Yeah, I wanted to thank you. I usually don't do that during these talks, but if you're leaving, I want you to at least hear me say that. So, it's different in Crucible because they have the consistent rank ups. Rank ups should be more meaningful. Okay, the PvP crowd needs a reason to keep playing. It's different than people that just want to run public space or bounties or strikes. It's a very different uh, player pool. It's a different mentality. And if you don't give the, the, the Crucible crowd a reason to log in daily and weekly, you're going to lose them. You've got to make rank ups more meaningful. And I think you could do that with a vendor rank, with a seasonal vendor rank that resets with actual rewards, actual things that are meaningful and cool, instead of feeling like there's just really no reason to keep playing. Not only that, we've been banging on this drum ever since this TWAB came out and ever since they basically homogenized the loot pools. Are there going to be unique Crucible loot drops in the Crucible? Are there going to be Crucible guns? Are there going to be Crucible drops? We know that the armor has the shared geometry and then the decals. We know that they're going to have weekly challenges that enable you to chase high stat versions of that armor, but they've said nothing about a unique loot pool for Crucible, Gambit, or, or the Vanguard, you know, with strikes. I believe that is needed. I think you're going to have the same problem you have now. We'll have that huge spike of interest. People will come in, they'll get the pursuit weapon, and then you're only going to really have surges of interest during Iron Banner and Trials, and the day-to-day Crucible crowd will dwindle because there's not really a reason to log in each day and go after stuff. They've got to figure out how to tap into that player-versus-player mentality of daily engagement and I think unique loot is one of the ways to do it if loot pools remain homogenized then the crucible will feel just kind of meh without trials and iron banner reinvigoration to core activities is something we were promised Luke Smith said he wants to reinvigorate core activities day to day crucible all the things control elimination rumble survival all those things that's your day to day meat and potatoes that's your core activities it needs reinvigorated and I'm not seeing anything yet that shows me that I don't think a unified geometry armor set and a homogenized world loot pool that also is dropping in crucible strikes and gamut I do not believe that is a is a reinvigorated core uh, core activity we need more information on how they're doing that so it's good to see some of the things that are listed here but again we're waiting for more of that intel to really decide whether or not crucible is going to hopefully turn a corner sandbox preview in October and then beyond obviously hoping for loot updates as well as always if you're listening to this the links below are for VIP and Q&A call-ins. If you're listening to the audio version, just keep listening. The stuff will come up next, all right? As always, you can go to say no to rage.com to support the live streams Monday through Friday. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe. You're listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about the Beyond Light Crucible update. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, you do have to use the timestamps now. We only upload the 10-minute video, not the Q&A and VIP call-ins. 
I know some people don't prefer it that way, but the timestamps have gotten good response and it does clean up the sub feed a little bit if you are subbed to my channel. If you're not subbed to the YouTube channel, please do so. Click subscribe and the bell button. That way you don't miss these live streams and it does support me. Uh, and uh, sub counts are to keep going in the positive when you stream live for some reason. So here we go. First question is from Necro. Do you think that Bungie should give the players more customizable mods for private matches? I'd like to have feedback submissions such as laser tag and capture the flag and gun game. Um, yeah, I love this. Um, I, uh, I love this, but I guess my concern would be how much would it take them to give us this? Because I don't think it would be a ton. I don't think it would get like a ton of interaction. Um, you know, like how many people are going to enjoy this now we would right we could do some fun private matches we could do something fun on like a fight night you know all of us just go in and uh you know we we uh we go in and do laser tag like you're saying or something i they don't even have a spectate mode in their private matches so i'm not sure if they're going to give you this depth of customization with respect to being able to give people double health, all weapons, no weapons, only heavy, only this, only that. I mean, usually you just kind of go in and... I remember we did some fun games in D1, but we had to put on mayhem, and we had to, like, set up rules so that people could follow the rules and say, you know, don't do not do this or only do this. You can only use a shotgun and a sword. Uh, I think that was called Boomstick Samurai, maybe, I think is what we called it. Boomstick Samurai was literally uh, only shotguns and swords. And so it kind of made it fun. It was like you could only really get into fights, like, super, super close. You couldn't do much from, you know, far away, especially, you know, shotgun and a sword. Uh, Black Talon didn't exist back then. So... It would be really, really dope. I know people always bring up the Forge uh, from Halo. And I think people bring that up. I think the main reason we'll probably never see anything like that in Destiny is because that stuff requires a pretty agile game. And this game just doesn't feel super agile. It, it I've always described it as a... It feels like a cement truck. It doesn't it doesn't update quickly, change quickly. It uh, They seem to struggle sometimes to to add or change or update content so giving that ability giving that ability to the user base I don't know if that's gonna um, that's gonna be a possibility click click boom stick dynamite there you go click click boom yeah there you go Uh, (laughs) so I love the idea that a lot of the times um, a lot of the times seeing a good idea for destiny also requires the honesty to say yeah they'll probably never do this it's like asking for dedicated servers in really big open spaces and giant world bosses with 50 guardians in the area. It just seems unlikely that they're ever going to take the game in that direction because of the limitations of the tech and the lack of dedicated servers. Uh, it would be great. I would love to see all that happen. That'd be awesome. I mean, Defiance wasn't like a groundbreaking great game, but Defiance was cool for that. You know, 80-some people in an area fighting some giant world boss, loot all over the ground after it's over and done with. Uh, they had really, really good internal systems, too, in Defiance. Their their skill trees, their customization, the different factions. It was all set up really, really well uh, internally. But graphically, the and, and the movement and everything, it just wasn't that great. Uh, it, it felt a little rushed. I think they rushed it once they knew Destiny was delayed. They wanted to get it out as soon as possible. I think they knew. I think they knew Destiny would be their competitor, and it, you know, and a Bungie game uh, brings a lot of pull. And they did a 
Defiance, what was it, 2025, you know, enhanced or whatever, and I played it, and I felt like I was playing a remaster of an Xbox 360 game. It just didn't translate really well, which is unfortunate. I would love to see Defiance make a sequel, you know? I think they understand internal logistics of making really really cool abilities and skills and synergistic builds and um and then they had all the factions and stuff and then if they could bring dedicated servers and big world boss fights and stuff i think they have the i think they have the 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 intellect for it like they have the intelligence to do it they have the knowledge but they didn't have the the pristine feel that the, the game itself didn't um didn't feel like it landed in a, in a good way. At the time, it was cool because at the time, we didn't have expectations like we have now. So they'd really have to contextualize the engine and the feel of of Defiance, or it just won't go anywhere. Um, I'm actually curious how Defiance 2025 is doing. I wouldn't think it's doing that amazing, just because it feels very old gen. Avenger with the next question. With the Crucible playlist being pruned of extra playlists that had not that much engagement as well as the DCV being implemented, do you think fan favorite playlists from D1 could make a return? I'm looking at you, Rift. I, I, uh, you're calling Rift a fan favorite. I don't think it was. I think it was fun for about a week and then people figured out how to spawn trap. So Rift... I think Rift is one of those nostalgic lies we tell ourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it it got removed and because it was bad, it, like it didn't work. Uh, there was a charity stream where a PvP streamer went on like a 29 game win streak or something, and that's literally all they would do is they would just head over to the other side and spawn trap. It. I love the concept of Rift. I really, really do. I thought the concept was good, but. The execution was awful. I loved Rift because I was the one spawn trapping. I mean, that, but see, that's such an inferior, that's such a terrible experience. Even if you're the one spawn trapping, what a garbage experience. I mean, with respect, that's garbage. You're literally just shooting people as they run out of doors. Like, I, I don't know. You're not actually being challenged. There's nothing competitive about it. There's nothing intense. You're literally just pushing forward and keeping people from getting out of their spawn. Uh, I think this is one of the reasons that, like, Halo 5 Warzone... Was it Warzone? What was it called? I think it was. That Halo 5 mode with, like, the PvE intermingled was the same problem. The game essentially was, at its core, a spawn trap. Push forward and, and, and keep killing and keep pushing until the other team is basically stuck in their spawn. Like, that was essentially Halo 5 Warzone. If that, I think that's what it was called. Um... So, I and, and again, you're asking about fan favorites. I don't know if there's anything else that you would suggest that they could bring back because I don't really know of any other games that would fit this bill as be, being considered a fan favorite. Uh, I like Scorch. I think Scorch is pretty cool. I thought it was dope that they brought it back because um, I think Scorch brings something special, almost like an arcade. It's almost like an arcade game, you know, that they bring with Scorch. So... The, the 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 old the old stuff from D one coming back. I know they'll do that piecemeal. Um, I know they'll do that piecemeal here and there with strikes and maybe maps and stuff. But I can't see them ever bringing Rift back. Spawn trapping is not PvP to me. It's an exploit of the, of the game's intention. It was called Warzone. Okay, right. Exactly what I'm saying, creature. Like the point of having you spawn on side A and side. 
C, and then in the middle is the is the is the ball. The whole point of the game is to grab the ball and try to push into the enemy's side. That's like the whole point. And you're great. You're you're working against it. You're folding back against the game mode, and you're going against the grain to just kill people as they come out of their out of their spawn. I always thought that the closer you got to the enemy's rift and spawn side, you would get an intrinsic sort of poison and health loss if you did it. So if you tried to spawn trap, you'd be a, you'd be a one or a two tap. You'd die really fast because you're too close to their uh, their slamming station. If your team had the ball, you would be immune to the poison. So if I grab the ball and we go running over, we're fine. We're in the clear. We can do this. No poisons applied. If we just run over and leave the ball behind, we'd be totally fine. Now, obviously, people would take advantage of this, grab the ball, go to the other side, and then just sit there on it while their team picks the other team apart. But at that point, you could institute some other things as well. A timer on the ball that explodes. So you can only do that for so long before it's going to blow you up, and then your teammates are going to start to get poisoned again, and they can't and they can't get that close. Um... I, I don't know. That's That starts to feel super micromanagey, though. That doesn't feel like an organic experience. You're going to have this sort of super rigid mechanic where I can't get too close because you don't have the ball. I'll get poisoned. I, I still think it could turn into a spawn trap. You just get as close as possible before the poison starts to hit and just wait around corners for people. Um... So, I don't know if they could redeem the game mode. I did like it. I remember the first week playing it. It was really, really fun with an organized team. Uh, We had a really funny clip. Unfortunately, it's gone now. We had a really funny clip where you got extra points if you did like a back... If you jumped backwards over it or something. And I tried to do it. And I just go sailing off. And I just drift off the map and fall. Um, And I'm like, oh, it's the first time I've ever done this. Oh my goodness. You know, it's all intense. And I jump off the map like an idiot. It is a pretty funny clip. Um, but once people learn how to spawn trap, the game mode started to really suck. Uh, Avenger says D2 has its fair share of competitive game modes, comp trials, IB, uh, but not that many party game stuff like mayhem. Do you think more of these could be created, uh, and circumvented into mix playlist similar to classic mix? Yeah. I don't know how the community feels about these game modes. Cause I know how I feel about them. Oh, I need to go do XYZ for this event or this thing. Well, what is there mayhem? Is there scorched? You know, I would be interested to see what the player base numbers look like. How many people are going over and playing scorched and mayhem purely because they're not really a crucible player and they want to get over and done with, with a milestone or whatever it is that they're trying to do. They just want to get it over and done with. Uh, so it, and if that's the case, then I would worry that the party games. We don't. If we do more party games, you're just you're going to lose people more and more and more. Like the, the you know the, the the numbers would go down. So I would be really interested to see what the numbers look like. How many dedicated or regular Crucible uh, fans are actually going into game modes like Scorched and Mayhem and enjoying it? I mean, or how many people go into Mayhem and they run Fun Police because they don't like it? Um, you know they're not a fan of it so they they consistently just go in and they just try to troll others by being fun police suppression uh bubbles and tethers uh and if you do it right you can have such an uptime that the other team can't do much about it unless they super organize and have some good novas or something uh so 
it, it, it really depends on demand. I think they're always going to have a trickle, though. It seems like they're open to momentum control. They're open to mayhem. They're open to scorch. These things coming back. It looks like the weekly rotator is going to be clash, mayhem, and showdown. So it does seem like that you're you're losing you're losing some of the some of the party game aspect, uh, or not losing, but only may- the only one in there that seems kind of party game is uh, is mayhem. Uh, clash is just clash, and then I don't even know what the rules are for showdown. Um, if they're you know what what they're what they're actually what what do you do in showdown? I forget. Uh, I remember they had breakthrough. They had breakthrough. They had lockdown. Um, they had breakthrough, lockdown, and salvage was in D one, and those game modes were generally pretty disliked. Do you remember salvage? Wasn't that the one that like if you played incorrectly, if you played incorrectly, that was how you won. You basically won by not capping the points. It was really really cheesy. I, if I remember right, you you wanted to play that game mode against against the grain of how it was designed. Uh, so, yo, thank you, Tyrant, for clicking the join button. Enjoy the badge and the emotes and the perks in Discord. Welcome back. Um, I miss Skirmish. Skirmish was good. I actually like Salvage. I remember I would go play Salvage for... There was always like a bounty, like go play Salvage. There, there were like these bounties and stuff. And I remember I would go and I would I would uh, I would I would try and play and people were like no Lono you're not supposed to do that you're not supposed to go and uh, and capture the thing or whatever and I was like wait what um, it was really really a weird mode I remember losing salvage and being like this is such a stupid game mode and it, I remember people being like no it's fun if you play in this way and I was like but that's not how you're supposed to play you're supposed to play it this way and it, it I don't know it was kind of weird. Um, so light control and iron banner. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to play iron banner, there's gotta be, honestly, if I'm going to play any of this stuff, I just, I'm consistently going to come back to the fact that like there needs to be a loot motivation. Um, you know, it's just like, why am I going in there? You know? It's just, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's gotta be a loot motivation. And listen, in my video, I said for the crucible fans, for the people that play PVP day in, day out, they need better motivation to do that. Ranking up should be more meaningful. Do something with the NPC, do something with the loot pool, you know, Tim says, will there be new crucible maps in beyond light? What frequency do you think fair is fair for us to get new maps? I actually don't know where they put this information. It looked like there actually weren't any new maps, but then people were like, oh no, there's some D1 maps coming back or something. I don't know. We're, we're not really clear on that right now. Um, I would think once a year with the expansion is a really good time to add two or three maps. You know, two maps for sixes, maybe one map for threes, maybe four maps, two for each. I don't know. It, to me, I think once a year three to four maps is a reasonable request I don't expect new maps every season but once a year in an expansion here's one of the here's one of the things that's that's hurting that might be hurting their motivation to create a bunch of maps they can't charge for them they can't you can't charge for a map because as soon as you charge for maps you fragment the player base 
because there's a bunch of people that don't have the maps that happened in Call of Duty I'd team up with my buddies and there'd be two guys in the group that didn't have the new maps so we would never play on them there was always there was always a problem it would just fragment the player base so we never got to play on the new maps if we wanted to play on the new maps we'd have to re- literally ditch our friends to go and play so yeah I would think there's got to be at least one or two Europa PvP maps getting added you know Jovian says um, what would you like to see incentive wise for the crucible going forward well this was submitted before I did my talk so I mean I can kind of restate what I said in the talk you know but maybe maybe touch on some other things so when I said you know rank up should be meaningful I've always gone back to the obelisks in uh, in season of dawn because you saw what you would get if you leveled it up. It kind of like outlined all the rewards and all the different perks. Some of the perks were specific to the planet. Some of the perks were specific to Sundial. And then you like got mods and stuff. You could get the charge with light mods, the, you know, the higher up you leveled up the obelisk. Okay. Well, it, do something like that with shacks. There could be mods and cosmetics, and, you know, ornamentation, and and things that the more you rank up, the more you can get those things. You know, as you level them up, you're going to get double drops or something. You know, at the end of a crucible match, so you feel that greater sense of reward. The further you know, you kind of invest in the season, and you reset his rank. You reset his rank every season. I have made this argument for both shacks, Zavala, and the Drifter as a way to make it feel more interesting and give you more of like a oh man I actually care about this I'm actually going to try and rank up this season look at all these dope things I can get because in general I think one of the problems is ranking up feels like homework because you kind of have to do it for you have to do it for a uh you, you have to do it for the, the couple of quests and stuff, but outside of that, that's all it is. So it feels like homework. It's not like, oh, I'm rank such and such, and I get this stuff now from Shax. I get this thing here. No. You, you, that's not the way that it works. It's like, hit this rank, reset once, and get a shader or whatever, you know, whatever the, whatever the frick. So it's, it's not a... Um, it's not a system where you feel like you're being rewarded for your rank. You feel like you're kind of being given homework. Instead of, think of it this way. When you look at the season pass, you're like, yes, another rank and I get that. Another rank, I get that. Another rank, I get that. They don't tell you, hit rank 100, and then after you do that, then you can get this, 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 and this. That's not how they do it. You get things along the way, and that's why having a seasonal rank with a vendor that goes up and awards you with stuff, I think would give people a very tangible reason to do their daily, weekly, monthly grind. Presently, we don't have that. And for Pete's sakes, that big banner, whenever you you level up a rank in Crucible, get rid of that. Put it at the bottom of the screen. There's nothing, there's nothing more, like, it's so tilting, and it shouldn't be, which makes it more tilting. I get out of a Crucible game, and I want to go delete all the blues you just gave me, and I can't. There's this big, giant, stupid banner in my way. Like, get rid of that. <laughs> Put that at the bottom of the screen, you know? Where triumphs and milestone alerts go. 
Andrew uh, says, I think minimizing the hoppers is a great idea, but I think they do need to have a non-endgame PvP-specific weapons like map-specific to match strikes-specific loot. I don't know about map-specific... I don't know about map-specific drops. Like, oh, you can only get this gun on this map. I'm not a fan of that. But I touched on this in the talk, and I'm really curious if they're ever going to talk about this. Will there be a crucible loot pool? Will there be a a strike loot pool where there's vanguard weapons dropping or crucible weapons dropping? I you know, I what if not, I don't really understand. The armor all looks the same and is difference by decal. The pursuit weapon can be earned everywhere and then there's going to be a seasonal activity, seasonal loot. There's loot on Europa. There's going to be loot in the dungeon and the raid, and then trials loot. I I just I don't understand. I just think it's gonna it's gonna honestly be super super weird if there if there is in in a literal sense no crucible loot pool, no strike p- loot pool, no gambit loot pool. That's gonna be really bizarre. So what am I gonna end a gambit game and get a, an engram or an item that I can get from a strike? or a, a, a package rank up from crucible like it's all homogenized it's all the same it's gonna be super weird you need a cut co- i think you need a couple guns in each game mode it, it, if not it just is gonna seem really really odd the last coqui do you feel like crucible should take a more halo style approach with actually rank system more hardcore people and some more fun style game modes that people can easily relax in i mean this is a conversation that always comes up when skill-based matchmaking becomes a hot topic because people that are bad and get stomped they love skill-based matchmaking people that are you know, above average at the game, hate skill-based matchmaking because you feel like you get sequestered, you feel like you can't play with your friends, you feel like you have a couple of good games and you kind of get punished for it. Uh, And so, skill-based matchmaking generally always breaks down into two camps. There's the people that love it because they feel like they can actually finally play and not get sequestered to only playing the same 10% of the community the whole time and sweating the entire time. And then there's the people that are like, we love skill-based matchmaking because we're not good enough at the game and we just get stomped all the time. Every game is a stomp, every game is a stomp. I happen to think that the people that are pro skill-based matchmaking tend to overstate how often they get stomped. I also think they tend to forget that most of the people they're dying to are not god-tier tournament winners. They're just dying to adept players. If you've been playing Destiny for the last five years, you're going to be better than most brand new players. The same thing would happen if you went and tried to suddenly play Gears of War. Go jump into Gears of War PvP and you're going to really struggle. Why? You're going to run into marginally adept players, average to slightly above average players, and they're going to stomp you into dust because they understand the weapons, the maps, the movement way more than you. They just have all the muscle memory. So whenever that debate happens, I'm trying to give you like a quick flyover of the runway that typically leads to this suggestion. I have always said the true solution is ranked and unranked. And then you run into problems whenever you get into ranked and unranked. 
right? The people that should be in ranked because they're bad and they only want to play bad players, they tend to be the ones that are the most apprehensive about going into ranked because they think ranked is going to be sweaty. The truth is, if you're not very good at the game and you want to play people that are also not very good at the game, a ranked playlist would be your savior. It would be the best place for you to play because you would avoid the top 10%. You would avoid the god tier stack teams. You would generally only play people at your echelon of... Uh, of, of skill. Now, yeah, ranked smurf abuse, but again, ranked smurf abuse is not a normative common thing. It would be inconsistent. You'd the, you, Again, you're playing the odds, right? The likelihood of you running into a bunch of smurfs every day is not as likely as right now if you play. You're generally going to have a more, you're more likely right now to run into experienced players. Note, I'm not saying high skill players, I'm saying experienced players. You're very likely right now in this game's franchise, at this stage of the season's life the people that you're going to run into in the crucible are experienced players and generally speaking experienced players are going to be miles ahead and miles better than the bottom 10 or 20 percent so skill wise the bottom 10 or 20 percent they don't stand a chance against experienced players you just need to be experienced you don't need to be amazing you don't need to be winning tournaments all you need is experience so ranked and unranked is the true solution and there's a there's a thousand barriers that keeping it from happening number one it would take a, a ton of time to build and build it properly they had ranked in overwatch for years ranked in overwatch was criticized people hated it they thought it was designed poorly they didn't like it it takes a long time to get like a ranking system working well and the the other problem is how do you get the more casual or the more lower skill player to not have the ranked stigma of, oh, if I go over there, it's going to be really, really sweaty. You'd have to come up with other terms. Skill-based, connection-based, honestly, might be the literal best terms to use. Skill-based, connection-based. That would basically be ranked and unranked. You're just naming it something else. Like, you're just plastering a different name on top. Oh, I want skill-based. That's where I want to play. Okay, well, skill-based is going to have ranks and rewards and incentives to climb the skill ranks and to get better stuff. And when you get tired of that, if you and your friends go in there and sweat for a while and rank up and they, you, know, you move a little bit and you get some newer stuff, then you get a little tired and you, you want to go cool off and connection-based. It's like when you're sitting in the hot tub at the hotel and then you stand up or roll, you know, and then walk over and get in the pool. Whew, it feels nice, right? You get in that cool water, cool off, and kind of go back and forth. That might be the best way to do it, okay? If you somehow, if you somehow figure out how to get lower tier players to go into a ranked environment and they have that good experience because they're only playing, you know, players that are, you know, thumbless potatoes, like they're, they're going to enjoy it. If you get to that point, that's great, but the journey to get there is a really really difficult one it requires a heavy amount of priority from Bungie on on this entire system that I'm outlining I can sit here and talk about it and I can make it sound great and make it sound really really dope the execution of a system like this would take a lot of time and it might be time and bandwidth they don't want to they don't want to spend it's like you could spend all this money upgrading and enhancing and, 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 and smoothing out uh all your gym equipment over there in the corner but 
when you run the numbers, you're just like, ah, that's not really where our bread and butter is. That gym equipment, that area over there, it's just not really uh, in high demand. And I think that's the biggest problem with Crucible. It doesn't cost anything to get access to it. It is a uh, it's a smaller portion of the player base, and it generally has loyalty that rises and falls very very quickly. Destiny Tracker will show one team had an eighty nine percent to uh, chance to win, and the lobby was 10 solo people and two stack I don't understand what you're saying to me I mean I I don't think you're ever going to see a system like this come to destiny right it's the reason why I tell people who just joined siege to go straight to ranked as soon as possible rather than casual playlist right because the casual playlist is just going to be like the wild west like you have no idea what you're going to find that's where a lot of the stacks and the the hardcore players are going to go to relax and you're going to run into them you know what I mean? Go on a stack team where everyone goes to win and does okay, then does even have to try. Trust me, the enemy team half the time give up as soon as they notice the team. Right. I mean, look, that's that just feels like an obvious sort of thing they need to work on. A stack of six people should be trending toward other stacks if possible now maybe they can do that more efficiently when they clean up the 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 number of game modes the number of game modes is is so high right now that might be one of the problems there's not enough people in your region to to enforce that kind of algorithm that says whoa 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 this is a six stack we need to try to find the six stack um you know it's like if they're if if they're gonna if they're gonna shrink down the number of, of games, that might help with those type of algorithms. I think that's why those Destiny PvP tubers are flipping out. They know they're being let go. Oh, they know like the Crucible's just not prioritized. I mean, it it'll be it'll remain to be seen. But I, listen, as far as we've come with this game, it's 2020. The game launched six years ago. When, in those six years, have they really gotten it right? And how much, how much has the meter moved as far as crucible quality, okay? As far as crucible quality, how much has the needle moved in six years? I think it's fair to say, not much. It really hasn't. We've we've said the same things for six years. We've complained about the same things for six years. And we're still kind of in the same hemisphere of quality. It's decent. It gets the job done. The best thing about it is how good the guns feel and the gunplay. By and large, we've been complaining about the same things for six years. So with six years in the tank and three years ahead of us, how much do you think they're going to move the needle over the next three years? I I don't think much. Probably not much. You know? Probably not much. If you had a six-year subscription to Netflix and you really, really wanted to see, you know, home improvement television programming on there, and after six years they barely ever add shows like that, are you really going to hold out hope that in a couple of years, over the next couple of years, they're really going to start adding home improvement, you know, original programming to Netflix? It, they, they've made it clear that they haven't been doing it. So they've made it clear over the last six years that they're not really moving the needle and making big changes and making big adjustments to the Crucible. It's generally where it was six years ago. I'm just being honest. Like, 
the weakest the weakest part of destiny has always felt like it's it's always been crucible it's always been the team that struggles to get it right it's always been the side of the game that seems to get the most sort of uh complaint uh it also seems to be the side of the game that has people play and then quit playing very very quickly the pvp player patterns just seem a lot le- uh, a lot more volatile a lot more uh, you know fragile they don't stay as solid as the rest of the game and so i wouldn't i just i don't know if you you could put a lot of hope in them really really investing in quality like a ranked and an unranked system crucible only needs a little changes to be vastly improved and they keep making the wrong calls homie i want you to read what you just said though and 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 square it with everything i just said the crucible only needs a few changes to be vastly improved but they keep making the wrong calls and they've been doing it for six years. I have seen so many Crucible talking heads and 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 and, and streamers and YouTubers say tw- they write tweets that are almost verbatim what you just said. For six years, I've watched them do it. All they've got to do is X, Y, and Z, and things would be so much better. And it's like, how many times are you going to say that before you realize there isn't a secret sauce here? There isn't a correct knob turning where they could just get it just right, get it it configured just right. If they haven't done it in six years, don't hold your breath is essentially what I'm saying. I I think we're always going to, I think a year from now we'll be having the same conversations we're having right now. Of course, it's the weakest. When you put the least amount of resources into that part, you will always have a lackluster product. I think you need to remember how much they actually focused on the Crucible for at least the first year. I mean, Trials of Osiris launched in the first year of Vanilla Destiny 1. I don't I don't know if I would say that's not enough resources. I just think over time, they've learned that they can't they can't pour a disproportionate amount of resources in, so they've scaled it down into sort of a happy, predictable area where it's almost predictable what people are going to complain about. Oh, they buffed auto rifles. People are going to complain about auto rifles. They buffed or nerfed hand cannons. People are going to complain about hand cannons. It's just you. It's it's like the weatherman could come out and be like, "All right, Bungie announced X Y Z changes in the sandbox. Here are the likely things we're going to see over the weekend. Uh, we're going to see some showers about grenade spam from hunters, uh, and then we're going to see some thunderstorms on Friday night about Antius wards. You know what I'm saying? Like all you got to do is watch, and you can kind of see where people are going to pivot, and then what people are going to complain about. Behemoth, do you think splitting the PvP sandbox from PvE is better? I hope that with the new changes, it can be. This is another one of those things we've said for six years that I just I, I feel like it's a pipe dream. It's just it's a pipe dream. They've not done it. They can't. They'd have to rebuild the entire. Uh, they have to rebuild the entire game essentially. At the present time, the sandbox cannot be split. When they make adjustments to the guns, they actually do it at the enemy level. They've talked about this infrequently, but when they say, hey, this gun is going to be stronger against majors, minors, or whatever, what they actually do is they, they tweak the enemy. The enemy takes more damage from that gun 
and then that's how they do it there's not some knob they don't go in and turn some knob and say turn the pve damage up on this gun they do it at the at the enemy level and so that's why they don't do it that often that's why when they do it sometimes it feels like it's not enough or they miss the mark or you know it, it feels like it's it's too infrequent so splitting the sandbox yes exactly right it's like saying man dedicated servers would clean so much of this up dedicated servers would allow bungie to do server side checks to stop cheaters Sir, you know dedicated servers would allow them to have better connections uh larger areas uh, they could they could off put a lot of the a lot of the data and the workload on, on the servers yep 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 you are 100 percent correct dedicated servers would do all of that and you're probably not going to get dedicated servers Sci Fireman. Uh, freelance comp works because it's a 3v3 playlist. What will it look like for a fire team of two going into a more stacked iron banner? Should small teams be allowed in freelance banner? You know, it's funny. I never considered this, but this seems like an obvious solution to the problem. If they get, you know, a couple days into iron banner and the matchmaking is atrocious. You know, thanks, Mama. If it's like, oh wow, you know, if you're on a two, if you're if you're going into Iron Banner with two or three people, it takes forever because there's nobody to gap fill. I actually think this is a very very well made point. the 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 freelance works in a three v three environment because there's less people. Uh, generally, if you're going into three v three, you're probably going in with a team, right? I think that's a fair assumption to make. Yeah, when I go into when I go into a three v three environment, I'm I'm not going in with two, two of us. You're mostly going to be going in with three, or in this case, solo. You know, three a full team or one person, a full team or one person. Six v six. There's all kind of combinations. Oh yeah, me and my buddies are going to go in. There's three or four of us. There's five of us. There's just two of us. Well, you you need those solo players to grease those wheels. They tried a freelance playlist in D one and it was terrible. The, the non-freelance playlist gets gutted like nobody nobody can get into games so this is actually a pretty good solution they could say okay freelance iron banner is going to limit uh, party size to three so a solo a double or a three now the problem with that is you're going to make sixes wait forever in traditional iron banner if you do that <clears throat> sixes are always going to be sitting around waiting for sixes <laughs> So, you know, I don't know. It's a problematic decision. Whatever you do, um, think of it from this sort of vantage point. If they do nothing, the solo experience in Iron Banner continues to be a pretty poor one. If they do this change, then the six-stack experience in Iron Banner could become a poor experience. In 6v6, it seems off from matchmaking, from balancing and how different it really is from a six-stack uh, versus three stacks of two. Yeah, I don't know. Justice says, good, let them wait. Yeah, it just, it does. It feels like either side of the coin has its own problems and pitfalls. I think they're just, they're erring on the side of let's, let's have a, uh, let's have a freelance playlist. Let's try to help out those solo players have a better experience. And again, the concern would be 
when you do this, you're going to potentially hurt the experience of other players. You're going to hurt the experience of the guy who who only has a couple of friends and they just like to play on a Friday night and then they sit and wait for forever because there's no one to fill their team. There's nobody. There's nobody to to. I, I I this this is a different form of gap filling, but it's gap filling. You you need people to fill those gaps. Oh, there's only two or three of you. Well, we need some people to throw in there. If you don't have if you don't have people if you don't have people to throw in there, then you're you're gonna be you're just gonna be sitting there stuck, and you're never gonna you're never ever gonna be in a match. You're just gonna be stuck in orbit, watching the count go. Six players, two players, three players, four players. Like it's just going to be going up and down because you're never going to get enough players to f- to fill the to fill the team. Because whenever I was playing recently, that was a problem, and I think it's because they were trying to mitigate how often a stacked team played against a stacked team. I think they were trying to minimize that, so it would literally be like it would be like ten, eleven. 8 10 11 8 10 11 9 it was like it would go it would go up to like 10 or 11 out of 12 players and then drop back down yeah if you run a five stack because you can't find a six you'll never find a you'll never get a full match right because there's gonna be less solo players in your region playing i'll be solo queuing in the normal iron banner playlist because i'm not a coward <laughs> Uh, well, and here's something Bungie could do. Here's something Bungie could do to make up for it. What if there's a daily or weekly bounty that rewards you with a good reward or a good thing that says play in the traditional playlist? Like you, maybe there's some bounties that only complete in the traditional playlist and don't complete in freelance that might have a nice daily injection of solo players in the normal playlist you got to go play a couple of games and then you can go freelance when you're done with those bounties and no one's forcing you to do the bounties they're just kind of incentivizing you yeah bonus rewards for solos in the non-solo playlist right if you play solo in the main playlist you get you know increased xp or double rewards or, or double tokens or something so somebody's like, "Ooh, yeah, I'll go over there and take it on the chin. It's more rewarding, more XP, more tokens." Or, "Man, I'm getting sick of this. I'm going over to freelance. It's not worth the, you know, the frustration." The last Kokui says, "With higher tier PVE content getting better drops, should Bungie consider rewarding higher skill PVP better uh, PVP people with better drops outside of trials like Legend Comp?" Well, I mean, and this is why I said you need to have a rank that matters. This is a way you could do it. If you get to a certain rank in the season, you're going to get better drops, more consistent drops. Uh, you know, if you did something like a weapon boon, um, the weapon boon percentage drop rate would go up quicker, you know, after two games instead of three or four games, things like that. You feel this sense of reward like, hey, I put in time. I, I've got this rank now with the crucible and I get more rewards accordingly. I think that, that, that I think that's a, a, a solid, solid suggestion that would be similar like what you're saying. And, and obviously, they might come back and be like, "Well, that's what trials is for. Go flawless in trials, and that's where like the adept stuff." In Overwatch, adding two solo players to a four stack against a six stack, those solo players are usually higher ranked players. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a ranking system like that in Destiny, though. 
Behemoth. I'm thinking of giving DT, D2 PvP community fun colors and decals. Uh, oh, I think giving them. Like, Call of Duty uh, W2 would be good for them. I mean, this really isn't a question. This is just a suggestion. I can't... I, I, I have to be a little bit more stringent on this. Like, the, I, the, I don't have much to say to this. Customization is always good, but, I mean, that's there's not much here. Um, Resurrect. Trials needs a solo queue. Oh, here we go. LFG. Yikes. LFG has a lot of posts for no mic. I went flawless for the first time in D2 two weeks ago, and we barely even talked. Uh, it didn't hurt the ranked playlist. Well, man, if I've ever heard of anecdotal evidence, I mean, this is it, homie. This is so, so specific. Um, I'm always going to come back to you have to protect the integrity of end game upper echelon content. Dungeons, really hard nightfalls, raids, trials. Uh, they're, the, the game has been continuing to say if you go up in these ranks and climb these ladders, there's no matchmaking. Just because you went on LFG, barely said anything to the guys you were playing with and went flawless, that does not mean that's good for the playlist for Bungie to put in matchmaking. You have to understand how many hurdles were in the way for you to get where you got. Do you really... I I just feel like it would really, really cheapen trials. It would really, really cheapen trials. You're going to have so many people just going in and just throwing for for, for bounty completion and uh, and tokens. And that you wouldn't want to play with those people. You know... I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anytime we've talked about this over the years, anytime we've talked about uh, uh, matchmaking in trials or matchmaking in raids, I've always come back to this is just kind of how the game has structured its its systems and you kind of just have to accept it. If you played in menagerie the week after they patched the bug, you would know why. They can't just slap matchmaking in in everywhere. You can't. I mean, I tried to do a matchmaking a match made nightfall yesterday, and two minutes in, I was like, I'm not freaking doing this. I got paired with people that were like AFK or not paying attention or something, and they were way back behind me. I was getting solo aggroed by 15 different enemies, and I just kept dying. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I went to orbit. I was like, I'm not gonna freaking play with you if you're not gonna be up here and play. That is a linear point A to point B nightfall and I was like this is terrible you're talking about trials, you're talking about rage you're talking about dungeons, I just don't think those are good places for matchmaking I really don't, I think you would have such a bad and diminished experience it would turn a lot of people off from it and it would end up having a ton of people in there, I I don't know yeah imagine like Grandmaster Nightfall with matchmaking or a, or a raid or a dungeon or trials I, I think they're all in the same category and we just have to respect the category rather than try and do something um, you know, rather than try and do something that you you think you know, like you're saying in chat, it wouldn't hurt. I actually think that it would. I really do. Uh, I jumped into a 1020 nightfall with a blueberry and just rushed to the boss and skipped all the champs. Got, uh, got silver with crap rewards. Yeah, you got people that are going to do that too. They're just going to go invis and skip everything. Um, 
and they're just going to pull you, right? You're going to have a hard time killing everything by yourself. Uh, I, I just, I disagree, Resurrect. I just, I don't see this, um, I don't see this from, from the angle that you're coming from. I don't. I look at it as a, as a quality, as a quality degradation. It feels like a quality degradation. You are, you're lowering the quality of the playlist, uh, and the net benefit would be too, too low, I think, uh, to justify it. So... LFG is basically matchmaking with a crappy interface. I th- I just think that's very that's really reductionist. I think you have to admit there's a huge difference between somebody needing to go to LFG and any 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 Billy any Tommy any Harry can be like click I'm in trials. Have you ever played Gambit with these people? Have you ever played um, you know survival with these people? They just, they just boop click the button and they're drooling on their Cheeto hands. It's like, dude, no, no. It's plain old gatekeeping. No, it's not. It's not gatekeeping. That's a misuse of the term. Having environments that require a pre-made fire team is not gatekeeping. No, you're misusing the term. So, what's good, Almonte? Talking about quality degradation when talking about trials in D2. <laughs> you leave my Cheeto fingers out of this. So I, I appreciate the people that suggest this year after year after year. They haven't done it because I just I think they know. I think they know that it's just not a good idea. Even with LFG, you get that. Well, no, LFG, well, yes, you do, but that's not something that's in the game. It's something that you're going and subjecting yourself to. Rather than using your team or your friends or your clan or something, you know what you're signing up for. So, it totally is gatekeeping. Gatekeeping is traditionally a term used in environments like this that would say something to the effect of, you're not good enough or you don't know enough to be considered a fan or to have access to this thing. That's not what they're saying. They're not saying you're not good enough or that you don't know enough or that you lack certain things. They're saying you, you need a team to come in here. That's all they're saying. Like, that's all it is. Re- requiring people to have a pre-made team is not gatekeeping. Gatekeeping, as it is used now, as a colloquialism in these environments, whether it's fandom for comic books or movies or, or video games... That, that, that's not how the term is used you're using it in a brand new way that most people would never say that's gatekeeping that would be like saying there's a minimum le- like level requirement on this activity, oh that's gatekeeping no it's not, that's just basic logistics in an RPG, you have to be so strong to go into this content chronic spin dash uh, do you think Crucible could use incentives such as weapon ornaments, exotic ghost shells, sparrows, etc. to bolster the loot drive? Small, but still something. This is exactly the kind of thing that I think would go so well with an NPC update. An NPC update where you go in and you level the NPC up and there's benefits throughout the season. These would be good things to kind of like sprinkle throughout, you know? <clears throat> That you know, it's sprinkled throughout, so you know the, the, the more you level up, the more stuff you get. And hey, hey, you hit max rank this season. Here's a here's an exotic sparrow or ship or or shader or ghost or something. Um, 
they did this one time with Zavala, rank 50, and you got like an exotic ship. It's actually a pretty cool ship. Um, I probably got kicked out of uh, back to the main screen because I was sitting in orbit for so long. It's actually a pretty cool ship. It harkens back to the first ship that we get in Destiny 1. And I'm really surprised they haven't done more of this. If you go back to December of 2017, December of 2017, right after this game was kind of seen for what it was, which was a pretty weak game. Destiny 2 Vanilla was weak. Uh, it took me a while to, to, to see some of the folly of a lot of the systems of... Uh, it took me a while to see the folly of double primary, of static rolls. Um, at first I thought it was good, but then it just it, did, it didn't deliver good quanti- uh, quantity. And the... Uh, back then, and it was, it was December of 2017... I said, I was like, I don't understand why they're not using NPC rank. I don't understand why they're not using NPC rank. Give me something for leveling up the, you know, the the NPC on the planets, the NPCs on the, you know, anywhere in the tower. Yeah, so it was season three, Zavala's Authority. So this ship here... Uh, Harkening back to the first ship we ever get in the Destiny franchise in Destiny 1 um, was for rank 50. If you got him to rank 50 in season 3, he awarded you with this. And they haven't done it since. So the third season in, they did this and they never did it again. So it was during Warmind. You know? So, and look, if you come up here, it wouldn't be that hard let's just let's just go all the way to the most recent season so season 11 season 11 you're telling me you're not even making that many ships anymore you're not you made you made you made seven you made seven exotic ships and then the legendary and then was there one in the season pass you know you're not even making that many you make one or two more no it was a ghost this time and a sparrow that's right it was a ghost and a sparrow so you know I, <laughs> You can't make a ship for each for each of the three main guys. Here, I got an idea. I'll give you a free idea, and it's your idea, Bungie. Are you ready? A shared geometry exotic ship that looks different according to where you get it. So if you get the exotic ship from the Drifter, it's got like green snakes all over it. And if you get it from Shax, it's got the you know the cool eagles and all the red on it. And then you do it from Zavala. Like they've already created a system where they could do this. You could do this with weapons. I think it would be a little less interesting. I think maybe you'd have to have different perk pools, but you could even have, you know, a couple primaries and a couple secondaries that can drop in crucible uh, gambit or or vanguard strikes, and they look different according to where they drop. Their geometry and models are shared, and then their perk pools are slightly different according to where they drop. So the you know the the gambit ones could drop with maybe some intrinsic gambit perks, intrinsic strike perks, and then I don't know what intrinsic crucible perks you could give people without kind of breaking the game, but that there's another idea right there one armor one armor set a year with shared geometry and decals uh, uh maybe one ship every season shared geometry with decals and then a couple of weapons you know a year with maybe one new weapon a season i just you've got to do something you have to do something to as luke smith said reinvigorate core activities and if you don't 
I just wonder if the game's going to start to feel like a freaking mobile game where I just I, I hop from one new activity to another and nothing feels connected anymore. There is no core game experience. There is no unified system. Sure, you have this single evolving world and the story that's taking place, but the game's going to start to feel really disjointed if there's no specific reason to run Crucible or Gambit or Strikes. We're just going to... Where are we going to live? In the new content on the new planets, like I just I don't know if that's enough. It's again, it's gonna feel like a mobile game or like an arcade game where the world doesn't feel connected. Those those games where you basically go on a mission and come back and go on a mission and come back and nothing feels connected. This game could start to feel that way if you don't reinvigorate those core activities and playlists to feel like they're part of the updated world, the updated season, the updated stuff. Ashen. Since they just aren't investing in Crucible anymore, should they even put Pinnacle or top tier weapons in it? Well, this this question has baked within it an accusation, an accusation that I don't actually think is is accurate. Since they aren't investing in Crucible anymore, false premise. Conclusion. Should they even put Pinnacle or top tier weapons in it? This isn't true. I mean, they're they're doing stuff with Crucible. We're going to get a sandbox preview in October. They're cleaning up the playlists. They're cleaning up the map lists. I, I don't agree with the, your premise. Now, they might not be doing enough or enough to your liking, but to say that they're just, they're not investing in Crucible anymore. I mean, this really isn't even a matter of opinion. This is provably false. They're doing things for the Crucible in year four. There's And there's a significant amount of stuff that we haven't even heard yet with respect to sandbox number one and number two how is trials and how is the uh, how, how are the adept weapons uh, gonna work you know we don't really know so we have to wait we have to wait honestly to see that before we can come to this conclusion that they're doing nothing they're not investing in it anymore it feels like very minimal effort well I mean to be fair Ashen they don't do lots of things to either side of the game through the seasons like what significant PvE updates have they done, homie? What have they done for story missions or strikes? What? We got Nightfall the Ordeal. That's it. Well, I'm sorry. We got Nightfall the Ordeal and then we got Grandmasters. The base level PvE side of the game. Yes, we get, you know, Contact Public Event and Sundial. We get that. That's, that's, we know that's the pattern with them. That's they add PvE content. But the PvE core base game has gotten little, little to no updates as well. Where is the new where are the new perks and perk diversity? Where is it? It's it's not really there either. You know, season to season, they're not making tectonic shifts in either side of the game. So I I don't know. I don't know if if their goal for Crucible in year four is significant updates or again just marginal updates, keeping things going. Exactly. What has Bungie done this past year? That's what I mean. Like they haven't done much to either side of the game. They've just merely added new content. And a few new perks here and there. At least with seasons, we get some sort of activity. Uh, you're making me stick up for the small amount of PVE we got. No, 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 no. You're right, Ashen. But don't you see a categorical difference between a PVE activity and some new loot and updates? As you're saying, investing in Crucible. You, you and I both know they can't add maps every season, and they can't add a new game mode every season. That's not. There's just no way to do that. There's only so many game modes you could add anyway. 
So the only thing they could really do to Crucible to make it better is updates, sandbox updates, tweaks, and things like that. And they've done some season to season, but they haven't done a lot of investment or, or, or updates to either side of the game in year three. I think a lot of that's because seasonal format, that's not really the focus. The only major thing we've gotten for Trials was Crucible. Yeah, and that came out raw. Yeah, if Trials wasn't so bad, you guys would have gotten a pretty good addition this year. And then obviously Iron Banner's just been nothing but reskins. So that we that's another question that we don't have an answer to right now. What is Iron Banner going to look like in year four? They haven't said. You know? Talking about PvE, the Corridors of Time could have been an awesome dungeon. Obviously a wasted resource. For, that's not an obvious wasted resource. That's a, that's a heck of a conclusion. How could they have made that into a dungeon? It was, it was like what, five rooms? It was five rooms with a handful of, with a handful of, uh, enemies. That, they couldn't have made that into a dungeon. It was a, pu- it was a puzzle. It was a five room, five room as far as like the geometry of the room changing. You know, five different rooms with some, with some enemies and in, and an internal mathematical puzzle. You know, so, so, so I don't, I don't think you can say, oh, that was just such an obvious wasted resource. There wasn't enough there to turn that into a dungeon. Are you kidding me? Look at the size and scope of pit of heresy or prophecy. They're huge. They're enormous. The areas in prophecy and pit are gigantic. Corridors of time is a thimble compared. It's teeny tiny environment. It's a couple of rooms, and then there was mathematical rules according to symbols as you walked through them. That's all it was. This is Lono educating me on my thought process and why I need to think through my statements better. No, 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 no. You're fine, Ashen. You're fine. Anytime you're going to make a strong statement, so your strong statement is this: uh, they're not investing in Crucible anymore. That's that's pretty strong statement. So you need to back that up. You need to back that up with something. How, how are they not investing in Crucible anymore? You know, and that's when you look at year three and have to say, well, they did a bad job. It's not that they're not investing. It's that they did a bad job. So your question should have been, it could have been phrased since they did such a bad job, since they did such a poor job investing and updating Crucible in year three, should they even bother putting pinnacle or top tier weapons in it? And then my answer would be, well, yes, while also trying to refine the process. Trials needs to be improved. The Crucible experience needs to be improved. And while doing so, yeah, you should be putting Pinnacle and Adept stuff in there. You know what I mean? Adding more enemies, a boss, and a different puzzle layout, it could have been fun. Yeah, but comparatively, Dawn, I love your, your heart and passion for more PvE content like Dungeons, but adding more enemies and a boss and a different puzzle layout it wouldn't have compared to Pit or Prophecy. Pit and Prophecy are gi- just, they're massive, massive pieces of content. It would have felt like real, real chintzy. You also have to understand, the team that built Corridors of Time, it was probably like a two-man team, and it was literally just math rules. That's all it was. Not a lot of development time was even you know, like really thrown at it, to be fair. It wasn't, there wasn't a big room, there weren't big expansive spaces. It was five rooms, same size, with mathematical rules as you pass through doors. That's it. Um, and I think it's okay for Bungie to say, sometimes we're going to have exotic quests that are like the Xenophage, and sometimes we're going to have exotic quests that are like the Devil's Ruin. Does that make sense? Sometimes you're going to have a Pit of Heresy and a Prophecy 
Sometimes you're going to have quarters of time. Quarters of time was was one of the most unique things they've ever done. I mean, honestly, it was basically Niobe Labs on steroids. Like, it was a totally different idea than even Niobe Labs. So, and I liked it, not just because I was a part of it. I thought it was a cool idea, and everyone's like, well, I couldn't really partake. I mean, you didn't have to. I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody forced your hand. It was meant to be like a community, community-driven puzzle. Do we want to talk about one of the coolest moments in Destiny 1 was a similar idea that was solved by Raid Secrets Reddit and, and Math Class, opening up the diamond and Wrath of the Machine that led to Outbreak? I mean, you know what I'm saying? That was one of the coolest moments in Destiny 1. And that was another really, really stringent, really, really difficult puzzles that had to be solved essentially outside the game. So... Alright, that's plenty of questions. That's right about an hour. If you're listening to this live right now and you have not pushed subscribe yet, please do so. If you enjoy the back and forth, this is what we do here. It's basically a live interactive podcast Monday through Friday live on YouTube at saynotorage.com. It is totally free to click subscribe uh, and that does help support me if you'd rather click join join is a paid membership that supports me directly you get emotes and a badge and uh clicking likes also free we're at 454 likes we always like to see the likes roll over if you want to help us get closer to 500 likes be sure to smash like a lot of people leave after q a is over so do that on your way out as always i appreciate supporting the live content we're going to transition to some vip call-ins that's an option you can have if you pick through the memberships as always uh, if you're listening or watching this content in other locations please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the VIP call-in session that took place after the Q&A and talk about the Beyond Light Crucible updates. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube as a past broadcast, you can always catch these live on YouTube, Monday through Friday during the day. Say no to rage.com will bring you here. If you want to become a paying member to be on these call-ins, like a VIP member, you got to use the Patreon or the join button on YouTube. And Patreon, you just go to sntrpresents.com. Um... Okay, so we are going to jump right in with Wolverine. He's on his way to a bachelor party, so he's, he's a little... It's like he's calling from out in the field uh, right now. It's going to be like live reporting, but uh, Crucible is something he's always very passionate about, so I want to give him an opportunity to call in. Go ahead, sir. Uh, what did you want to talk about? Really appreciate that. Hope everyone's having a great day. As you already know, I'm already off to a pretty rad start. Um, just something I wanted to try to reach in real fast just because you talked about it in the talk today about trials and then the uh, enacting of the adept weapon portion. The only thing I wanted to comment, and I wanted to see if you share this sort of uh, insight on what we expect out of the adept portion, whether it's through a mod or whether it's through a gun, we want, or what I'm looking for more specifically, is something higher than what is on par of something like celerity. Hmm. Meaning I don't want the, I, the idea of celerity is great, but I think of the idea of making celerity intrinsic only with celerity as its base value or anything on par with that would be too little for what we're expecting out of something as a depth. I just wanted to do a quick thoughts because I don't want to beat, beat this push too hard because anything really big I want to share with you in terms of PvP, I definitely want to share saving for others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're... We're, we're gonna we're gonna try and plan that session for him to co-host with me, um, and I am gonna I'm gonna mute you periodically here because it just there's a little bit of background noise. It's not that bad, but I didn't want to leave it on while I'm answering. 
you know, I I definitely think this is a this is going to be the ultimate question for trials more than any other part of the game. I don't think we're going to need to be this concerned or worried, maybe kind of like wringing our hands like, oh, how are they going to do this for strikes or for raids or dungeons? Because generally giving us lots of PvE power is not... Um, it's not super, super concerning. Um, obviously, there is a concern of, like, trivializing content, but the, the danger with Trials is that you create a rich-get-richer uh, situation where the teams that go flawless the most end up getting all of the dope weapons, and then the weapons are stronger. An extreme example of this would be if there's a hand cannon that you can get flawless, and its adept perk allows it to two-tap. So let's say luck in the chamber, but way worse. Well, obviously that's going to be problematic, because now the rich has gotten um, more wealthy. Uh, Like... I don't want to say anything. (laughs) I was going to say something controversial, but I'm not going to. Um, So... You know, the people that are consistently going flawless are now going to have an easier time going flawless because their road to the lighthouse will be one where they tr- just r- just trod on people. Bam, bam, two tap, bam, bam, two tap. So that's that's an extreme example. I don't think that they would go that far. So if that's an extreme example and that's way too strong, and then what Wolverine is 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 postulating is that celerity is not strong enough. If we take those as our two edges, like our, our pits to fall in, Celerity's too boring, too contextual, not really that influential, and two-tapping people, you know, a, a luck-in-the-chamber-style perk is too strong. What's something in the middle? I feel, I feel like you have to borrow from both. On the one hand, you have power, two-tapping, and on the other hand, you have contextual, uh, you know, requirements. you got to be the last person standing. You can borrow from both, and you could then say um, contextual situations where maybe if you are the last person standing or you're losing by a deficit of two or more or something, then the weapon gets some type of a, of a sense of power, uh, a sense of you know more damage, quicker reload or something. This is so, so delicate because the minute I start thinking about this in practice, I'm immediately thinking like, well, that would be really jacked up if, you know, somebody was down as the last guardian standing and their gun is suddenly two tapping. It'd be really, really hard to take that player down. And that would be again, feeling almost like a rich get richer scenario where, you know, does that guy deserve to be two tapping? I don't know. I think here's the, here's the giant dilemma with power in the crucible time to kill is a mathematical equation that you can destroy with the most minor of changes with the most minor of changes you can absolutely destroy the time to kill equation and the minute you start fiddling with time to kill you're you're disrupting a sense of balance and fairness so i don't know in the crucible what other power you can give to people in in the form of an adept weapon that doesn't do this, that doesn't hand more power to somebody. I think of maybe radar staying up all the time, uh, radar pings, maybe through the wall. <laughs> that's that's crazy, right? Um, maybe, uh, you know, quicker generation of abilities. I'm not sure. Um, Wolverine says, I'm leaning to not have any damage-related intrinsic adept capabilities. Just what that might look like is up for debate. Okay, Let's frame the discussion another way then. Let's let's look at the table of options and let's just swipe damage perks off the table. Nothing that can give you more damage. 
there's not a lot left that's going to influence the flow of combat um class cooldown when near teammates uh, you could do that you could do uh reload all weapons off of a res uh, ability regen is quickened when you're the last guardian standing um it 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 would have to be somewhere in that ballpark of ability utility or something like you know something like radar um faster res time or no res interrupts uh yeah maybe it takes more damage to res interrupts not the first shot but maybe the second or third shot because if somebody's just spraying you from far away um i I think we're going to land somewhere that's ultimately going to feel it'll feel fine but it's not going to be that exciting I think generally what you want to do is you want the end result to be it gives you a slight edge and looks cooler and that's about it Radar just because of Knucklehead right I think that'd be the end conclusion. I don't know how we get there. That's not really my world. I can only throw out a, a handful of suggestions before I kind of run out of ideas. So, I would say, big picture, you want the end result to be adept weapons give you a slight edge and they look cool. And that's it. I think that's good enough for most hardcore PvP players. Like, I think any sensible, intelligent, hardcore PvP player is going to understand you can't throw insane adept weapons in the in the flawless chest. Why? Well, you don't want to play against those either, do you? You want to get too tapped by the last guardian standing? Do you really want that to be the, the flow of collapses in trials? Yeah, last guy, let's go get him. And bam, bam, dead. Bam, bam, dead. Like, you don't want that. You don't want to turn somebody into the Terminator just because, you know... Just because they suddenly, uh, because they went flawless and got a good gun or something, uh, any any sensible hardcore PvP player has to know the minute you ask for power in your hands, that same power is given to everybody else and could completely throw off the flow of the game. Uh, th- those those fun intense moments and trying to clutch a two v one or a three v one, you know, you don't want that to suddenly be almost a strategy, you know, like, oh man, it's great to go down and be the last guardian standing. These guns are so stinking strong. (laughs) You don't want people being almost like trepidatious, like, oh dude, it's a 2v1 and he's got a trials weapon. Um, So it's a delicate balance. It's a delicate balance. I think as long as you land, you know, if you land it and say, these weapons give a slight edge and they look cooler, I think most sensible players would give that a thumbs up and say cool the weapon looks different it's more stand out and it gives me a slight edge just don't do celerity we had that in d1 do something else um i think that's maybe why they hinted at doing adept mods uh and the reason for this is if the adept mod is a little bit too strong or needs tweaked then they just mess with the mod and not the gun they can make really really solid awesome guns for trials like we have now, right? There's a good shotgun, there's a good AR, uh, there's a good sniper. And then they slap an adept mod on there, and if they overswing or underswing, they can tweak the mod and leave the gun alone. So that might be um, a good a good system choice, a good logistical choice to give them flexibility down the line. So, 
Thanks for taking the time. We'll expand on this in the future. Hope you and everyone else has a great weekend. Hey, have a great weekend, Wolverine. Stay safe. Use Uber. All the things. Uh, I'm going to go to Light Leap next. Go ahead, sir. Well, hello there. So I'm sorry. I apologize if I uh, repeat something because I wasn't paying attention today during the talks to work. How dare um, you, sir? How dare you call in? No, it's fine. <laughs> well, I was there on time, but then it didn't start and it didn't start and it didn't start. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just start working, you know? <laughs> so it's my fault. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, well, I generally like that they are removing a lot of playlists, uh, but I was disappointed that um, I understand we're getting the, uh, the the ritual weapon that will be pursuable in any activity, but uh, to me, competitive just seems kind of pointless at this point. Mm. Um, I was hoping very much that they would include. I mean, they had a they had a, a for example, they could just make a special ornament for the sniper, even for legend or something. Um, or maybe something even to pursue through the ranks. This playlist has so much potential. I understand that they brought trials back, but I don't really see a point of it in the in the game currently. I would rather see that maybe maybe make make a competitive control mm-hmm. or something to have to have a skill based matchmaking playlist and a regular playlist. But um, um, yeah, I, I just don't see anyone playing competitive, especially now. People are still playing it because they want it. And Unbroken will still be available, but um, Luna's Howl and Not Forgotten, they will all be sunset, so I assume you won't be able to pick them up anymore. But you were too in the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just disappointed. I mean, do you think something is coming, or do you think they're just leaving the playlist basically left for dead? The... When, when I look at uh, both of the updates we got for uh, Crucible and Strikes... It just feels like patch notes. And so my hope would be there is more coming in the realm of, hey, we haven't really spoken about what loot pools are going to look like in these core activities. You know, we have, what about Gambit as well? Am I going to run Gambit games and get the same loot that I can get everywhere else, Crucible uh, or Vanguard? So that's kind of where I'm like, I'm with you. I'm like, man, this just, this is, are you guys going to do anything here? Am I think about it right now all we know it's like i'm gonna grind crucible for the armor i guess and then the pursuit sniper you can get anywhere and that's basically it right that's all we know and then trials is getting a death weapons so i think that's a valid question and even a valid concern to be like man if this is it these core activities are going to be completely dead in the water there's gonna be no reason to run them um and then obviously what you're bringing up i mean competitive is there a way to add loot to the crucible, you know, environment and then do something maybe more specific for uh, for competitive? Um, this is why I think seasonal rank with Zavala and with Shax and Drifter would be so good. And you just brought up something I probably should have mentioned in my talk. Shax, a rank with Shanks, Shax, I'm sorry, would obviously be there's two ranks. There's glory and there's valor. So then you could have a seasonal rank with shacks for glory and one for valor and have different cosmetic rewards along the way, different perks and benefits. Uh, so that if you really grind it out in competitive and you get your rank really, really high, you're going to be able to get stuff that the guy who lives in, in quick play doesn't get. Um, right. These feel like no brainers to me. I'm like, how do you ignore these core playlists and core vendors for another year if all you're giving them is a shared geometry armor set and a world loot pool that you use as like a reissue playground i 
that does not to me when Luke Smith says they're batting around ideas on how to reinvigorate the core playlists I don't feel like we've seen his answer for that you know if he says hey you remember a while back in Luke Smith's director's cut we talked about reinvigorating core activities here's how we're doing that I'm not seeing that right now I'm seeing like logistical patch notes about we're removing stuff you see like that's why the more I look at this I'm like maybe we are not seeing really anything yet this is just very very basic bullet points it's like a patch note. It's like a, it reads like a, a patch note. The no list, right? But um, I mean, maybe it's a set. I mean, I doubt they will separate. Even if let's say that these core players get a separate loot pool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be free to play, don't you think? Or do you think they will actually segregate it from? Because I don't understand why if they put the ritual weapon in there and the armor, why didn't they just like mention something in addition? These these activities will get a refreshed loot pool or something. Something that throws us a bone a little bit. Well, we had a, I forget who suggested this. It was a long time ago. It was a viewer. It wasn't me. Someone suggested that access is free, loot is not. And in a general sense, that's how contact works, right? You can go into the public space right now and you can take part in contact public event, but you can't get any of the new guns. I, I don't even know if the umbrals, if you, I don't even know how that works, but that's, that's, that's how somebody said it should work. Anybody can access any of the hoppers in crucible they can play trials they can play they can play any of it but you make the loot only only dropping the new loot should only be dropping for a paying customer it's it's no different than when you look at the season pass it's like anybody can get the season pass and get the stuff along the top but the paying customers get the stuff on the bottom you should treat crucible just like that the top of the season pass is basically access to crucible the bottom of the season pass is these are the new rewards this season so then bungie can make it really really clear like hey this is how we're this is how we're rejuvenating the crucible playlist right now we're adding these guns we're adding these drops and this is an incentive to buy the season pass. This is I I think this is how you get money. This is how you get money out of the uh, out of the Crucible players. I think this right. is how how else how else are you going to get money out of them? Because they're they're there's they don't have the the main reason that, that that Crucible players tend to buy season passes is probably for the exotics and the new guns, worrying that they might be really really strong in Crucible. Outside of that, Crucible players are like, they're going to more and more maybe start to say, I don't have to buy anything. But if Bungie's updating the loot pool, adding a gun or two here and there, and you can only get them if you're a season pass holder, that solves the accessibility problem. You're not fragmenting the player base. Anybody can play, but you're only getting the drops if you're a paying customer. Yeah, I like that solution. I hope hope that's what's going to happen. And uh, I mean, I have to disagree with Wolverine a little bit because I think... From a PvP perspective, we don't we don't need much. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine if if they would just put in a glow like the Solstice glow that gets stronger or more ornamented with every rank, and then remember in competitive you have to keep playing matches every week, right, to stay in the legend rank. So yeah, I think people would just be doing that if they had like some glowing armor ornaments on this armor that they already released. People would be playing that playlist because that's what PvP players are about. A lot of them. You know, they're just they just want to show off. So yeah. uh, and regarding celerity, I think celerity is a great perk actually. I would love to try it even out. I didn't even get a gun with it, and every time I do get one, I have something better. So I and I think like for trials, the celerity would be great and a great intrinsic perk for depth weapons. Especially if you could only get it from the flawless chest, right? There's no unlocks. The way to do this would be to 
in my my perfect world, every time you go flawless, you um you can open like the chest, right? And maybe spend tokens like you did in the sundial to choose your reward, basically, right? Mm -hmm. So you can say, I want the adept shotgun twice from this chest. Um, that would be amazing. And that would also enable uh, Bungie, because right now, the problem is also that for um, besides this one bounty, there is no incentives to go for lower level players. I mean, the, 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 you get like one token for the first win, Yeah. right? It's it's horrible. So I really want them. I hope with the adept weapons, they also just flood the loot pool again, because you don't want. So you don't want to pay with tokens in a flawless chest because you don't want the token farming, right? So just give us three rewards in a flawless chest that we can choose, right? Adept, random rolled, um, and make the tokens basically useless for all players who go flawless, um, except maybe for armor rolls. Because uh, yeah, I think I think that's enough. If people can show off what they get in PvP, you don't need much. I mean, people grind. I mean, there are so many people that grinded for the Redrix Claymore ornament, right? And it was just an ornament for a gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it really doesn't mean much, and I uh, doesn't need much. And I hope uh, they're gonna do something about that. Well, and in D1, I mean, celerity was intrinsic, and then the guns were black. Like there was a there was a huge there was a clear and huge. Uh... Uh, difference and um, oh yeah, that black, that, that's, that was that was enough. That was enough for people to, for it to look different and feel different. I think my only concern, and maybe this is Wolverine's concern as well, is that if you do celerity again, I think a lot of people are going to be like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" That's the way it was in D one. You didn't do it at launch, and now you're adding celerity to a bunch of guns that we already have. I think that might be the concern. Like if you already have a god roll shotgun that you or a sniper or an auto rifle and you got it from the flawless chest and then they add you know they add celerity to the to the you know the new ones or whatever i could see people like are you come on like that we need something better than that and i think you're right i think celerity is good it's a good happy middle ground because it's contextual it's not like overpowered um but i also think people would i think they'd be right to say and we waited all this time you guys should have done something maybe more unique or new and and then cosmetics and, and, and peacocking and, and showing off definitely needs to be a part of this. If they literally just slap celerity on the guns as intrinsic and that's all they do, no, they don't look any different and they kind of fall back on the, well, when you go flawless, you can use the emblem and the glow and that's your that's your cosmetic reward for going flawless. I don't know. I don't I don't think that's good enough. I think they need to I think they need to go a little bit further than that. I agree. In cosmetic, in terms of cosmetic rewards, I agree. I just in a term of weapon rewards, I wasn't aware that was the exact same when it was the one. I didn't play the one that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they were saying, I think some twelves they were experimenting with an adept mod slot, right? Yes. In which then celerity could just be a mod, and you could have like two or three others that randomly True. drop from the flawless chest, and that would be already a great reward. Something, True. something cool. They could refreshen it, and they could refreshen it every year, or even every every half year, yeah. right? Put a new mod yep. in there, make the weapons interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then, as I said to Wolverine, if they overswing or underswing, they just have to tweak the mod, not your gun. Um, yeah. You know, if it's or, too exactly. strong, yeah, too strong or not strong enough, it's easier to 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 tweak the mod. And nobody's like, "You're ruining our gun, Bungie." It's like, well, no, it's it's the mod. The gun, the gun should still be good in their by on their own. You know, in their own right, they should be good guns. Uh, and then the mods enhance, and uh, if they enhance too much or not enough, then they would just they, you know tweak it at the mod level. I agree. 
Well, that, that's all I had. Um, I got to run, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, thanks for letting me come yeah. in line. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for calling in. Have a good and, one. Yeah, you too. All right, I'm coming down to uh, Real King Salty, our last caller for the day. What do you got for us? Oh, hey. Um, I actually really like some of the points that you guys made before about PvP, especially the weaponry. Um, I would, I like Destiny's PvP. I think it has a lot of redeeming qualities as far as um, there's definitely diversity in the, and not to play with yourself because that's going to get shortened. But the way you can play the game with the different classes and stuff, I think my biggest issue has been ever since Forsaken dropped, and I would even say worse than year one, like the beginning of year one with the Uriel meta. And I know this is going to be kind of a meta conversation. And a meta is going to be in every game. I understand mm-hmm. that. It's just some metas really scream louder than some metas whisper while other ones are screaming in your face. And I think that's one, been one of the biggest problems since Forsaken, especially with Destiny 2's PvP, no matter what mode you're playing in. If it's PvP involved, there's just glaring out of all of the list of guns that people can play with. It's just like you can pinch a handful. It's like this is going to be used 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's been one of my griefs with it. And I experienced it this morning. For instance, I was playing Apex with my buddy. The first seven hours of this day, I did nothing but played Apex. And we started, we're, we're just drawing correlations between the two, you know, and saying, man, this is one of the reasons, you know, like you can get into firefights that are really, really fun and really enjoyable, even go against teams and crucible where it's really fun. But it's like, if one or two people on the opposing team was using that one gun or, or a few guys on your team were using that one gun, mm-hmm. it, it just, it turns the firefights in, in complete, just hot garbage. Like, you're like, okay, oh, congratulations. This guy came on the corner, didn't even try, he one-shot me. Oh, he one-shot me again. Imagine that. And it's it really dulls down the fights. And I really hope that Bungie really focuses on more of an even weapon balance. I mean, not make everything samey, but have certain guns perform differently within the parameters. You know, like, we could easily make the argument Gnawing Hunger and other 600s are in a very broken position right now. And I love Autumn's. But like they overtuned them, so they cover close range and they cover mid range, and in some cases, you know, like a gnawing, if you have the right perks, you can cover, you know, scout range, and just mow people down. And it just it seems like they're really slow to react on weapon balancing because that overall is going to affect the PvP playlist. And like people are like, oh yeah, let's go do Crucible. So oh great, I just get to go in there and get absolutely massacred by gnawing hunger for the millionth time, or this shotgun for the millionth time. Yeah, obviously, like you said, there's always a meta, but I think that the, one of the challenges with Destiny and with Bungie is, um, you know, speed of response. So the hard light would be a good example. That thing lands and it's absurd after they, they, they overtuned it, they, you know, kind of over tweaked it. Each week it got worse. It, re- it continued to rise in its percentage and how long it showed up. And I, what, I think we were maybe six weeks in when they finally patched it. Um, you know, so that's that's half the season that we had to kind of spend messing with that. And I think it inevitably um, that it that inevitably had an effect on trial saturation. I honestly think so. I think one of the reasons people were vacating 
uh, trials in some of those early weeks was it was not fun to play against a bunch of hard lights. And I know you would watch the you know the god tier players on Twitch and be like, oh, they're handling it just fine. But you know the garden variety players, more casual players, probably got sick of it. Uh, it was a bit of a laser light show. I played one game of sixes and it was absurd. I mean, it was literally everywhere. It made game flow and rhythm really, really bad. So metas will emerge, but when metas become um, fl- game flow disrupting or overwhelmingly frustrating, I mean, there was the, the era of the Lord of Wolves as well. It it does. It feels like it's more about response time. It's like, how long are we going to put up with this? So if they can get better at response time so that something like that happens and it's just kind of like you deal with it for a week or two, great. If not, then I think we're always going to be in this feeling of a flat tire of, well, for now we just have to deal with auto rifles. I mean, the last time I played Crucible, I was getting killed by auto rifles at ranges where I was like, this just isn't fun. Like, I can't... I don't feel like the game flow is working right now. I don't feel like I can use my hand cannon and my sniper because the you know the the range on on uh, on auto rifles. I thought the one guy was literally using an aimbot, and people are like, "No, that's what auto rifles are like right now." I was like, "How did he kill me from that far away?" And they're like, "No, no, no, that's literally how a lot of the auto rifles are uh, are hitting." And so, I the solution I think would be to create in you know technical infrastructure that allows them to make quicker pivots you have to remember too that they have to do their own internal testing so it's not a pendulum swing of oop we over over nerfed it oop we over buffed it oh yeah we can't get this right and eventually it just comes out and everything just feels like mush because you don't know which way's up because they're 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 just pivoting back and forth on a on a particular weapon um i mean an example i would give from fortnite is the one time they raised the damage on ARs and then within a day they lowered it because it was just too much. I mean, I played a couple of games and I was like, this is absurd how fast we're dying now to these to these weapons. And within a day or two they rolled it back. But then people were like, well, wait a minute. They they you know, they still need some help. You guys have to do something. So I think the answer would be quicker turnaround when there's an obvious problem and there's an obvious sort of form of disruption in the crucible. Uh, quicker turnaround, I think, is one of the w- one of the bigger issues. But then also, quick turnaround has its own potential uh, pitfalls and downfalls to making it feel like the game is just always being tweaked and tuned and messed with. Um, it's like whenever you've watched somebody, uh, you know, they trim their beard and then make a mistake, and then they, they try to fix it, and try to fix it, and try to fix it, and eventually, like, they just like, well, I guess I have a goatee now, like, they they, <laughs> they keep shaving it back, and keep adjusting, and then there's, they, they, they like, well, I, I'm gonna have a goatee for a month. So, you know, similar scenario could happen here, they could just keep trying to tweak it, keep trying to adjust it, and just mess everything up. I think there's probably a happy middle ground, so you don't have to sit an entire season with what feels like, you know, auto rifleville, um, it, 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 not, it, it, taking an entire season for them to make any changes at all might be a bit extreme. So if you can back that up to being like, okay, once a month, we're going to try and do a state of the game stream or blog where we come over trends that we're seeing. And that state of the game blog is going to lead to a patch of minor tweaks and changes. 
I think that would be more reasonable because then I think people would have like this sense of hope of, all right, I'm going to play. I'm going to kind of provide feedback on the forums or wherever. And I know that Bungie is going to do their best to analyze trends in the crucible and try to make sure there's a, there's, there's tweaks and balances done on a monthly interval. Um, I think that would do two things. Number one, it would help them be more present in the game with respect to not letting ruts form where we're just like dealing with something for forever. And number two, players wouldn't feel like it's futile. They'd be like, well, Bungie's going to make adjustments every month. So they might, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll address this broken exotic. Maybe they'll address Antius wards this, this month, uh, instead of just being like, well, we keep complaining about Antius wards, but here we are, you know, third month in the season and still having to deal with it. I think that'd be like a happy middle ground. It would give time for Bungie to collect data, do their own internal testing, and implement really, really good patches instead of reactive patches that would just uh, inevitably make things worse. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. Like, just having a faster response time and, like, really taking, like, deep feedback in, like, I guess I, I want to say they take everything seriously, but certain things take priority. But yeah, th- I would even be happy with that. If I knew, if there was like a pattern that Bungie established, like, all right, guys, if we feel like we we made a mistake, like you said, and we overbuffed this particular archetype of weapon, mm-hmm. know that you're not going to have to deal with it for three months or, you know, even now, granted, this is a fluke. The, the whole delay is a fluke, I think. and There's reasons behind it. But now we have to deal with this meta even longer. And... I guess maybe like a hard shift, like doing something to, to make people reconsider a possible hard shift in metas, or at least make it feel like, yeah, you could be using that really strong gun, but I know that if I take this gun, you know, with good rolls, like this other auto rifle or this other sidearm or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't feel like I'm going to get completely demolished. Like I feel, I feel confident that I have a fighting chance in those situations where I should. I mean, I want to make this make sense. Like, knowing that my sidearm will definitely be able to compete with that 600 RPM auto rifle. But at the same time, if I engage you uh, unwisely from a certain distance, you're obviously going to be able to outplay me because of the kind of weapon you're using. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's difficult is there's always a mixture of feedback where there's good feedback and then there's what I call dum-dum feedback. Sometimes you just have a dum-dum that keeps running down a lane and getting sniped and he's shouting at the world about he hates snipers and campers. And it's like, well, snipers are OP, snipers are broken. That's just dum-dum feedback. He's just a dum-dum. He just keeps running down the same place. Like if you're constantly standing with your toes on a choke point, you're, you're right on top of the choke point and you keep getting somebody who slides shotguns you and you complain about quote-unquote shotgun apes it's like okay that's dumb dumb feedback you're playing like a dumb dumb there are things you can do to mitigate that you can you know step back from the door and and make them move more and the more you make a shotgunner move the greater opportunity there is for you to kill them and good feedback on snipers would be snipers are really really strong with aim assist and the bullet magnetism seems really really high and you know mountaintop seems to be too uh, too strong and too easy to use that's more thoughtful feedback that's more uh, directed feedback it's like well this is the actual problem so sometimes I wonder if people are like oh ARs or pulses or whatever are too strong and it's rooted in dumb dumb feedback it's like well did you try anything different did you try a different loadout it's map dependent right some maps are really going to favor you know pulse rifle lane watching while other maps are going to really favor shotgun rushing and, and, and sidearms you know so it's like 
there I think some of it comes down to that too like when someone says I keep getting killed by XYZ I'm so sick of it it's like well have you done anything at all in your loadout strategy movement or flanking or positioning to try to mitigate how strong this thing is or is it so universally strong I, I would say Mountaintop is an example of this Mountaintop is so universally strong there's not really much you can do to minimize its influence and its damage output on you people are generally just going to jump around corners and hit you with it soften you up switch switch guns and shoot you like it's it's that thing is is absurd i honestly don't think they should have ever added it to the game it feels like something from quake it's like why is this in here um so that's what's always difficult is you need like a dum-dum filter you need something to filter the feedback and be like okay we only want like the actual feedback to get through because sometimes i think people really overstate the strength or the the lethality of an item just because they heard it from their friend and now anytime they get killed by it they don't analyze their gameplay they don't analyze their their positioning or what they did or their movement all they know is they got killed by that gun and they heard that it's op so sometimes too it can become like a language infection in the community where people decide that something is too strong and anytime you get killed by it it's the weapon's fault not yours and so there's a lot at play here it's kind of like how I said, whenever I complained about uh, skeleton keys, you had to parse my feedback through the filter of my behavior. I complained about skeleton keys, and yet I continued to go after them and go after my Amago loop. So don't remove skeleton keys, tweak them in light of my feedback. Similar idea here, tweak player feedback through player behavior. You know, shotguns are broken and oh, they're so they're so strong. Well, okay, I mean, analyze gameplay and see are there ways to mitigate shotgun lethality. And if there are, if there are options, if you feel like there are combat decisions and loadout choices that you can make to mitigate uh, the strength of the enemy using a shotgun, then that person is likely just providing dumb dumb feedback. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, people who are trying to just. Uh... You know, take advantage of a situation in which their loadout really doesn't justify them doing and getting mad. You know, kind of like if someone's running around with a, you know, uh, for whatever reason, a pulse rifle and a sniper, which to me sounds terrible, and they're getting mad because they're getting they're getting killed around corners. Yeah, I understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think map design is also uh, something to take into consideration here. I was using a sniper on Cauldron. And I was I wasn't doing well, and I was playing really well with my sniper earlier that day on a different map, or maybe it was a different team. And I switched to the retold tail, and I turned everything around. I was playing better, my KD got better, and someone remarked, "Like you play a thousand times better when you switch to a shotgun because it's more instinct based than like sitting and waiting based." Or sometimes when you're trying to snipe, you're forcing it, you're 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 pushing it and trying to trying to leverage a shot that's not that's not smart. And so sometimes I think people do need to analyze, am I, am I bringing a knife to a gunfight? Like, am I coming to a map that just doesn't really allow for this loadout or play style? And sometimes I think you do need to shake it up and say, this is a close quarters map. This is a lane map. This is a distance map uh, and make decisions accordingly. That's one of the things about the destiny community that I think always grates against the map design of the game is that people get stuck in a loadout rut and they never want to change to anything else. So it's Bungie's fault that this gun is OP and keeps killing them. 
It's not their fault that they're playing a close quarters map with the pulse rifle and a, and a sniper rifle, right? You're going into a close quarters environment and you're using something that's not, you know, doesn't work for it. Yeah, Cauldron and a Sniper, there actually are uh, really great angles on that map. If you're playing against a team that really wants to leverage middle control um, and, they, and they're trying to leverage some of those angles and stairs and stuff, actually, you, Snipers are really strong on that map. Um, because of because of how you can leverage angles on the doors, great great picks on Cauldron with a sniper allows for a good collapse on mid. Um, but the the point is, is I was playing against a team where they were out sniping me. It wasn't working, and so the retold tail middle rush disrupted their power, and we turned the game around because I switched playstyle and loadout because of what I was dying to. Um, I just accepted the fact that they had a better sniper on their team. He was beating me to the punch and it was like, okay, I'm going to take that power away from him. Those early picks are giving them strength in the game. I'm going to take that away. I'm going to bum rush with a retold tail and then he couldn't, they couldn't recover. They were leaning really heavily on that opening snipe pick and the minute we didn't give it to them, they fell apart as a team. So it's funny how as soon as you manage to take out that one sort of linchpin in the map control, suddenly teams fall apart and I wonder if sometimes players, if you would just shake things up and try something else. I, I, I've been on games before where I'm like, dude, they just keep shotgun rushing. Guys, just back away from the doors and make them come to us. And the whole game turns around because the other team doesn't know what to do. They're like, all we know to do, all we know is, you know, to slide through doors with Antius Wards and a shotgun. And the minute that stops working, they're a one-trick pony. You'll, you'll start beating them. So. Yeah. That's all I have for you. Well, thanks. That was a good discussion. Thanks for everybody uh, who came in and called in today. I really appreciate it. If you're like, man, that'd be fun to call in and do that, uh, you can be a VIP through Patreon or YouTube. Click the Join button on YouTube, or you can type exclamation point join in the chat, or you can go to sntrpresents.com to become a patron. As always, if you're here right now, clicking subscribe and the bell button is free and it helps me out. Also, the like button helps out this video with recommendations. So, as always, if you're watching elsewhere as a past broadcast, please like, share, and subscribe.